When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm in a better mood than I was last week. I got over that I had to push my move to Ghana for another two and a half weeks, and I was making the most of it. I have been out in some capacity every single day since I got back home. Catching up with friends, kikiing, cocktails, dinners, brunches, parties. I've been having a really good time, and I accepted for the best. I am moving to another country. I should take as much time as possible to catch up with everyone. I know I'm in a rush to get there, but I feel like I would have gotten there and I would have had regrets about the people I didn't get a chance to see. And I didn't know when I was going to see them again, at least for like several months. So I was good with it. And then I got a text this morning. It's from the movers. My stuff was supposed to be here yesterday on July 25th. They texted me today and said the moving truck is currently in Ohio. So at least it's in the Midwest. Like it's made it from the actual West, which took forever. I've driven to Ohio before. I think that's like an eight to 10 hour drive. But also when it gets here, it's not coming straight to me. It's going to a warehouse and then it's going to a local vendor who will then bring it to me. So I don't know when this stuff is going to get here. I have a flight booked literally two weeks out to give them a chance to get their shit together. Otherwise, it is what it is. But I was in a really good mood until I saw that. And I was just like, I was supposed to be leaving for Ghana tomorrow. And then like my mood was sour again, but it's okay. It's okay. Last we spoke, I think I was headed to a D-Nice party. The party was really good. It was only like a hundred people. I got there and Dougie Fresh was just sort of like chilling on his side. He looks amazing in person. I think we talked in an earlier episode about how Dougie Fresh, how youthful and good he looks. Like he just looks like fresh and hydrated and vegan. And I said, I want to look like that. I swear, when I get out of America, I'm going to stop drinking. I've also had wine or tequila every day since I've been home too, which is showing on my face. And I was like, oh, I need water. But Dougie Fresh looks amazing. The Dougie Fresh was there. D-Nice was there. He just walks around like he's not like an A-list celebrity at this point. He got on the mic to thank everyone for being there. And he just casually mentioned how he did club quarantine from the White House. And I was like, that's a good life, bruh. That's a really good life. But it was a really cute party in this really sexy space on, was it F Street? Also went to a very nice party. This was, I didn't tell you about it on the last episode we taped because I have to get permission for some of these things. (laughs) We went to a pool party. My friend Marsha, (laughs) by which I mean Madam Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. She had a pool party at her residence. Apparently a whole bunch of Congress members and cabinet members like all live in the same building. 
I was like, the number of Secret Service that have just got to be milling about there has got to be insane because it's so many of them. But she had a pool party at her residence. By which I mean, because this is black people, there was a pool and there was a party next to it. It was a really cute moment. I went with my dad. My dad. It was all of maybe 20 people. Everyone there required their own security, by which I mean like Secret Service, not like, you know, a bouncer or a police officer. So it was my friend, Marsha. Oh, and the Secret Service guy that I had a crush on. He was there. He came over and gave me a hug, which I was like, oh, somebody told him about my crazy ass post. <laughs> and then I DM my friend, Marsha, to be like, hey, what's good with your security? Um, he's very nice. Who else was there? Our friend Cedric, Cedric Richmond of the Infinite One-Liners. He doesn't say as much publicly anymore. I can affirm after hanging out with him for a couple hours that the one-liners are still sharp. He is from New Orleans. He represents his city well. He is... I can't quote anything. I'm forbidden from quoting anything. I don't think I ever told you the story about how Cedric called my dad about me moving to L.A. Like, I was paying for the divorce, and, like, my money was dwindling, and so I was like, I gotta find a job. And he was like, why don't you just ask your father for money? And I was like, I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm not asking my father for money. Like, you sound crazy. And he was like, you sound crazy. He was like, I work every day so that my son can have opportunities and access. He was like, what is the purpose of me doing well and my child is struggling? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, your son is four. That wasn't the point. He literally took out his phone and called my dad and negotiated terms for me to move to L.A. He was like, I got you a flight, a moving truck, a car, and at least the first six months rent. You should be able to take it from there, right? My parents did not pay my rent when I was in L.A., FYI. They did pay for the moving truck and the truck (laughs) and to ship the truck. I had a truck already and my dad was like, yeah, your truck is trash. You need a new truck if you're going to be driving around L.A. Like, I'm not comfortable with you taking that car out there. So, so I got a new truck. That was all Cedric Richmond. So former Congressman Cedric Richmond, who went to the Biden administration, he was a senior official there. And then he recently left to go head up the, um, the DNC. But he asked me, he was like, oh, how's L.A. going? And my dad was like, yeah, tell him how L.A. is going. <laughs> it's like this hostility. I say, oh, actually, I just moved home Friday. I think this was like Tuesday or Wednesday. He was like, so you back here now? And my dad was like, tell him where you going. And I was like, I'm moving to Ghana. He was like, Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. He's no fan. He's a father. Most fathers don't want to hear about their children moving across the Atlantic. He's asked my dad, he said, what we got to do to keep her here? You need a job? You need a husband? (laughs) I told you, the man's one-liners are still sharp. Who else was there? The majority whip, Jim Clyburn, he was there. He's a friend of the family. We spent the holidays with him and his family a couple years ago down in um, South Carolina. The ambassador to the UN. So my dad was really adamant, like, you coming to this event with me, right? You coming to this event with me, right? I didn't know who all was going to be there except my friend Marsha. And I love Marsha. Like, I'm obsessed with Marsha Fudge. We just bonded immediately. And I was like, yeah, of course I go. Like, I want to see Marsha Fudge. So the reason he wanted me to go, I think... Right after I get home, my dad and I are sitting at the kitchen table. He was like, if I can't reach you in Ghana, who do I call? And I was like, ooh, I don't know. I know people there, but nobody who's like emergency contact level. Like I can give my parents your number 
and they can call you like at any time. And the people I hang out with, good people. I just haven't known them long enough. Like you got to like know people to make them, you know, like your emergency contact or something. So my dad really felt a way about that. So I was like, if something happens, like, I mean, really nothing can happen. You really just got to reach me. The best I could probably give you is to call Davida. Davida lives between Atlanta and Ghana. Sometimes she's there. Most of the time she's in Atlanta. Call Davida and Davida could figure something out from here. Like she's very well connected. But I was like, I don't really have someone in Ghana. Not a good answer for my father. So his solution, his solution to this was to go to this event where the ambassador to the UN would be there so I can introduce myself, figure out a way to be in contact with her so that if anything happens to me while I'm in Ghana, somebody, and I was like, the ambassador to the UN, dad? He was like, somebody can take care of your ass on the other side of the Atlantic. And I was like this is your solution it was her the secretary of defense it was like somebody to get your ass out of there i was like you don't think maybe this is you know doing the most and he was like no okay so i did meet the ambassador she's a very lovely woman she did not give me her contact info she gave me her mentee's contact info she has a mentee who lives in ghana who who is very well connected she and her husband she gave me the woman's name and she told me to reach out to her. And she was like, have you heard of her before? And I said, no, I'm, I'm not familiar. And she said, you should Google her before you reach out. And I said, yes, of course. So then I joined my dad in conversation. He, he's sitting there talking to Karen Bass, i.e. the congresswoman who's running for mayor of L.A. I met her at Leading Women Defined earlier this year. So he tells her, you know, my daughter is moving to Ghana. She tells me about the um, the activism that she used to do on the continent, particularly in South Africa. She was really big in the apartheid movement. And I think if I remember what she was saying correctly, is that's what sort of kicked off her political career because she was doing activism, but she didn't know policy. And she said, you know who you should meet? And then she name drops the same woman that the ambassador to the UN name dropped. And I was like, who is this woman? So she gives me the full rundown, like the social background, the professional background, the personal background. And I was like, oh, and she was like, yeah, she was my mentor. So this lady was a mentee to the ambassador of the UN. And she is a mentor to, to a congresswoman who's running for mayor of Los Angeles. I don't have permission to tell you who she is, but I was like, yo. It's a bad chick. So that was my assignment to go find this woman. I, I don't understand my life some days. So when we leave the event, I said to my dad, I was like, did you really invite me to this party because you're worried about me in Ghana? And he was like, yeah. I was like, you don't think any of this is excessive? And he was like, what part? Sir, sir. He was like, if something happened to your ass, you'd be grateful. <laughs> Parents. This is my life. You know what else my life is? Because I have a wide range. You've seen this video of the pastor of the pastor in Brooklyn who got robbed on the live stream, right? Story started circulating, I guess, over the weekend. It's been on the news down here, so it must be recent. I saw the story, and the clip I saw was grainy, so I wasn't really paying attention. Like, pastor got robbed on the live stream. Like, it's Brooklyn. Parts of it are gentrified. All of it is not. Brooklyn is Brooklyn. Is Brooklyn. It didn't shock me. I mean, I was like, you know, well, these things happen. But the story kept popping up, up. And most of the headlines were, pastor gets robbed on live stream at Brooklyn Church. So, so many people were talking about it. Like, I recognized, like, the image, the background, whatever. I knew what the, when I saw the image, I knew what the story was about. So, I was scrolling and somebody used the pastor's name in the headline. And I was like, wait a damn minute. I know that nigga. And I don't feel bad calling the pastor a nigga. He was 
on somebody's live stream yesterday. Larry, Larry Reed, the gospel gossip. I, I saw that name. I had to pull up the clip and I was like, you can't be serious right now. You can't be serious. My friend's ex-husband. I was at the wedding. I was at the hospital for the birth of his first child. I had to screenshot that and send it to a mutual friend because we were both at his wedding, his first wedding. And I was like, yo, is this so-and-so husband? And she was like, girl, no. And I was like, girl, Zoom. And she was like, girl, yes. Oh, my God. His ex-wife hit me this morning. Because of how I know him, I have no additional commentary to offer. I trust the internet to do what it does because the internet is undefeated. The backstories will come out shortly. I don't need to be the one to tell them. I will tell you a funny though one time. He called me out the blue. He was like, hey, Demetri, this is Bishop Whitehead. And I was like, Lamar? <laughs> Why are you introducing me to your formal title like I wasn't at your wedding and at the hospital for the birth of your first child, sir? And I was like, hey, Lamar, what can I do for you? I was unclear why my friend's husband is calling me. And he was like, I wanted to ask you about your relationship with Jesus Christ, sir, sir. He wanted to know when the last time I've been to church was. He didn't understand why I hadn't been in so long. Had I been reading my Bible? He invited me to his church. It was a very up and up conversation. I just didn't understand why he was calling me or how he got my number. And as soon as we got off the phone, I called his wife and was like, hey, you know, your husband just called me. Like, is everything okay? And she was like, oh, yeah, he asked for your number. Like, he, he said he wanted to reach out to you um, about coming to church. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't play with my friend's husbands like that. Unless I know you through your husband, I don't be having, like, private conversations with your husband that you don't know about. Like, just, just in case, like, something ever comes up down the line. Like, you never told me my husband called you. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I didn't know you were having private conversations with my husband. Your husband called me and I told you immediately afterward. And I was like, oh, it was an up and up conversation. He just invited me to church. And so she was like, oh, okay, that's fine. She's like, I appreciate you calling. And I was like, I just, you know, just checking. She's like, I appreciate you. Okay. He gave me a ride home once. I think I went out with his wife. I don't remember the circumstance of it. I think I was out with his wife and she got a call to go work. And he was like, oh, I'll just give you a ride home. And it was only like five minutes away. She literally used to live across the hall from me. That's how I found my apartment in Brooklyn. The way we met was my boyfriend at the time. This is like 2002, 2003. My boyfriend at the time was buying a condo and she was his agent. So he bought a condo in Flatbush and it took him a while to find the place. And I would usually be with him when we were apartment hunting. And she and I were around the same age. We had friends in common because she went to the same college that a bunch of my friends did. And so a, the apartment across the hall from her was opening up. And so she was like, would you be interested in moving in? Because like, I play my music. I have a dog. I don't want somebody who's going to complain to the landlord. She was like, if it's too loud or my dog is too yippy, you could just tell me to turn it down. She said it was in Crown Heights. And I was like, ooh. Because the only thing I knew about Crown Heights was Crown Heights Riot. She was like, come see the place. I walked in. The apartment was so big, there was an echo. I did a quick walk around. It was $2.50 more than the place that I was staying. The block from the train. And I was like, I'll take it. And I moved in like a month later. And it was rent control. But she lived there until she got married to Bishop Whitehead. So he was over there all the time. I got stories for days that I can't tell without permission. But also, too, all that stuff was like 15, 20 years ago. The bishop has since remarried. I heard he has a young baby. And my friend has since remarried as well. I will say this about the bishop. The bishop is a character. Never a dull moment. If you've seen his Instagram lives or his, or his interviews, if you've seen his head-to-toe Fendi and Gucci suits, you too know that the bishop 
is a character. This woman on my timeline, she was like, he's a shenanigan. <laughs> I was like, how you gonna call a person a shenanigan? She's like, him, that's a shenanigan. <laughs> I was like, well, well. <laughs> that video was so wild. People keep saying it's a setup. I don't know. I do know that people walked in that storefront church or that photography studio with the background of a church banner. Either or. When you watch the video, like the bishop is preaching and then all of a sudden he stops and he starts to get down on the floor. I was very confused as to what was happening because there was a gentleman in the corner who ain't moved. I was like, did the video freeze? He ain't moving an inch. That man sat there in his all black with his Bible on his lap. He ain't flinched. He ain't moved. People walked in with guns and you have no reaction. I want to know what that man has experienced in his life where he sees people walk in an all black with guns ready to rob everyone. It doesn't move, has no reaction. Sir, were you in Vietnam? What have you seen in your life? No reaction whatsoever? People also thought the robbery might be staged because of some, the changing of some details. Like when the bishop first came out, he said they robbed me and my wife for $400,000. The number has since gone up to a million. I was like, sir, don't get caught out here with insurance fraud. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can go back to jail for that. Don't do that. There was also weird details about this robbery. Like the folks robbed him and then drove off in a Mercedes. And then the bishop said he chased them. And I was like, so wait, some people rolled up in your church and they had guns. And they robbed you and your wife. They put a gun in your baby's face. That's the bishop's details. I saw him on the news here in D.C. talking about it last night. I was in shock. I was like, I cannot believe this is a national story. But he said he ran after the assailants. And I was like, the people who just robbed you with guns? Did you have a gun of your own? I know you're not supposed to have one. His parole could be over, though. I don't know. What else? There was something else that was fishy about that story. Oh, the fact that you either appear to be preaching in a storefront or in a photography studio with a backdrop and you and your wife have somewhere between 400000 and a million dollars worth of gold jewelry on? I like jewelry as much as the next person. I'm not trying to police nobody's pockets. But you really need to put on all that jewelry to preach? All that jewelry wasn't heavy? And, and folks folks also did rightfully ask. They were like, hey, hey, how, how are you doing storefront preaching? It's got between 400000 and a million dollars worth of jewelry. But this is what your church looks like. You're not investing in your church? Real estate is high in New York. Leases are high in New York. Understood. Brooklyn especially. Understood. But all this jewelry and no investment in the church, these are things people were saying. And I was like, I mean, that's a that, fair question. I also did read that he's in real estate now. That in addition to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's also involved in real estate. So maybe his money is coming from a legitimate source. I trust the internet to do what it does and get those answers. Especially since there's stories everywhere. That shit was on the nightly news. CNN covered it. And I was like, you're kidding me. But this is my life. Hanging out with cabinet members and congress people and bishops of storefront churches who get robbed. It's an interesting life. I'll give it that. It's never a dull moment. <sighs> Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You know what else is interesting? They're like rebuilding DC right now. I went down to Union Market and there's like three whole buildings that did not exist at all in September 2021 that are almost complete now. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I looked at a place in Union Market because that Union Market area is so, so cute. I like Union Market and I like Navy Yard, but the buildings all had websites on them. And I was like, well, maybe I could keep a crash pad in DC. So I'm not, you know, living out of the guest bedroom at my parents' house or staying in hotel rooms. Do you know that a two bedroom apartment with 1,100 square feet in the District of Columbia is 5,100, 5,100 American United States dollars and dineros. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, no. I looked at another building about the same price. Now, my friend works in real estate here. He does um, activations at resident properties. If you live in a resident community in DC and you're and there's fun things for you to do with, you know, the other residents, he's probably the person planning it and putting it together. He, he was like these buildings, they're building them like compounds and they look like hotels. Like they're gorgeous. So when you hear 5100, you're like that's insane until you see it. He was like it's it's luxury through and through. He was like these rooftop pools look like anything you would find at a dope hotel. And they all have workspaces and most of them have amazing views where you're looking over the city and can see like the Capitol and the Washington Monument. Like the shit's sexy. It's sexy. And I was like, I can't pay $5,000 in lease. I can't. Just on general principle. I can't. I won't. I shall not. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And for a place that I won't be living in full time, I was like, no. I'll be sleeping in the guest bedroom for free. He was like, I don't know why you want to get a place in D.C. anyway. He was like, if you're going to get a place, you get a place in New York or get a place in L.A. And I was like, ah, stop making sense when sense was not asked for. Nobody asked you for sense or logic. We have other things to talk about this week. The Wakanda trailer, the sequel to Black Panther 2 just dropped. It looks amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait. November 11th, it comes out. Black Panther had a global release. So I'm hoping that I can watch it in Ghana on the same timeline as the U.S. Because I don't want any spoilers. I want to go in knowing nothing more than what I saw in the trailer, which was amazing. There was a scene with people in all white. And I just assumed that that was the funeral for T'Challa. And then there, there looked to be a mural of T'Challa honoring his death. I almost lost it. I really, in real life, feel like Chadwick Boseman was my king. That's the power of that movie. 
I was like, oh my God, I'm going to need a whole box of tissues to go to this movie. I love that it was so woman-centric. The first Black Panther was very male-centric. There were lots of powerful female characters. The A story was really about men, and I had no issue with that. I thought it was a good story, well told. But the sequel seems to be more female-centric, which, of course, I'm all the way here for. I love to see narratives about powerful women, powerful Black women especially, so I'm all in. I'm a little worried, though. There's a snippet of Angela Bassett in the trailer, the Queen Mother, and she's yelling about her whole family is gone. Okay, we know your husband was assassinated. Okay, we know that T'Challa died. We don't know how. Okay, but you got another child. You have Shuri. So why are you saying your whole family is gone when Shuri exists? Shuri does still exist through the duration of this film, does she not? Does she not? Like I said, I'm gonna need a whole box of tissues. You can't give me a funeral for T'Challa and kill off Shuri in the same damn film. That's too much. That's too damn much. Michaela Cole... I'm obsessed with her entirely as a creative. I May Destroy You was brilliant. Brilliant. So I became a Michaela Cole stan. Oh, the music. So Tim's is singing Bob Marley's first No Woman, No Cry. And then she transitions into everything's going to be all right. And I was like, oh, this voice is beautiful. I didn't know who it was. Tim's, the Nigerian artist. That's the woman who won like two BET awards like a month ago. She just kept going on stage and was like, thank you. I didn't expect to win. This is my first big award. And then she was like, thank you again, because I didn't expect to win. I want to say she got two or three BET awards, but that's who's singing in the trailer. But then Tim's transitions from Bob Marley's version of everything's going to be all right to Kendrick Lamar's we going to be all right. And I never made the connection between those two songs before. And I was like, yo, yo, whoever is on music, give them a GD raise. Oh my God. I played the trailer at least 10 times, but at least three of them were to hear the transition from everything's going to be all right to we going to be all right. And I was like, oh my God. It's like a whole black musical history lesson in two songs. Do you hear my joy? Do you hear my joy? Everyone did not find joy in this trailer. Some hotep ass black men, actually a couple of them, on Facebook were complaining about how many women were in the trailer. I didn't screenshot it because I was like, niggas. I don't even want this in my phone. I don't even want this niggatry in my phone. Not all men. Some men were complaining There was one post that I kept seeing over and over and the guy was complaining that black men made Black Panther earn $1 billion and their payback was getting a film that erased black men. And I was like, are are, are you serious right now? I mean, one in the trailer, the the character M'Baku, who I believe, I could be wrong, is a black man. He, he is a large black man with beautiful thighs. He posted this picture the other day on Instagram and his, his thigh, it was like, it was like both of my legs in one. And I was like, oh, oh, he had on hoochie daddy shorts. It was very lovely. I posted it in my Instagram stories and it got much feedback. Most of it very profane. His thighs are lovely. That said, he was in the trailer. You couldn't see his thighs, unfortunately, but he was in the trailer. And I was like, I mean, did you not see him? Like black men are not erased. But but this group of men just felt very upset. And they were like, why is this this trailer all about women? And I was like, I didn't complain when, when Black Panther was mostly about men. 
I don't have an issue with, with, with black men being censored or celebrated. Like I have a black father. I have black male friends. I have black male cousins. I like black men. So seeing them celebrated, seeing them centered in a global hit movie that portrays them in a, a flawed but overall positive light for most of the characters. But I took no issue with that. And sometimes I wonder, and I'm not the first person to, because there was a whole line of feminist thought about this, like in the 60s and 70s. And I remember this book I used to have, All the Blacks Are Men and All the Women Are White. I remember the cover was bright green. But the premise of it was, is that Black women are so marginalized in the larger culture. White women are considered the definition of womanhood and black men are considered the definition of blackness. So the question is, where does it leave black women? So to hear black men complaining about a movie that centers black women is it, just weird to me. Do you understand? Every one of these niggas complaining came, literally came from a black woman. If they have two black parents, there's no other possible way you exist. You exist because of a black woman. And you're complaining about a movie centering black women? This also brings up um, one of the core complaints of of feminism. There's always this question of like, you know, can you let men get their shit first and then we could worry about women? And And one of the objections to that is no, because men are not going to get their shit first and then come back and be like, OK, we got ours and now we're going to help you get yours. Just in the case of like, you know, what's happening with Black Panther is just another example of it. No, it's like you get yours and then it's no, my turn again. You can wait a little longer. We'll get to you when, like, down the road. Like, just stop asking me. You're annoying me. Like, wait, my turn again. What's wrong with celebrating black women? What's wrong with with a global film that centers black women in a positive light? Yes, it was great to see us as as supporting characters. And and it was great to see Lupita as a love interest because so, so often dark-skinned black women are not centered as the love interest. Even in in black shows, dark-skinned black women are often the best friend, the funny sidekick. They're not the they're not the main chick. They're not the object of desire. So it's great to see Lupita in that. But it's just like, why are y'all so mad? You got showcased. You got celebrated. There's a great great film about black men and, and what's going on with black guys, and and now there's an issue because there's black women. You still exist. Also, also, can we also point out? You're basing your your anger over a trailer. A trailer. Get a grip, people. Get a, get a fucking grip. And good black news, Nope is number one at the box office. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I would, I would like to. If I can get this podcast edited and up at a decent hour, I may go see it today. I was a little skeptical. I'll be honest. I, I like Jordan Peele. I root for Jordan Peele. I want Jordan Peele to win and have all good things. I really liked Get Out. Them was a head tilt for me. Like, it just, it didn't do it for me. Or was it us? No, it was us. Either them or us. I don't remember. Because there wasn't there another movie, the Amazon movie? One was them and the other was us. Okay, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, that second Jordan Peele movie didn't do it for me. Nope. I like Blue Blanket. I love Kiki Palmer. And I'm rooting for Jordan Peele. And even still, I was like, mmm. But it's got amazing reviews. People are talking about Kiki Palmer has done an amazing job in this role. To the point that they've been calling her a breakout actress. And I was like, Akila, Because you just met Kiki. And that's got, and I mean, and by you, I mean white folks. Black people don't know who Kiki is since at least Akila and the B was 2006. We've known her by first and last name since then. She was a kid. 
I had to go look up Kiki Palmer's age because I thought she was, I don't know, in her mid-30s and was just well-preserved. You know, like, like Gabrielle Union. You know, black people, if you take care of yourself, you could be anywhere between 25 and 40 and no one really knows. I had no idea how old she was. But because she's been around forever, I just thought she was, you know, older. Um, in addition to saying this was her breakout role, which I was like, that's just not accurate. If anything, Akilah and the Bee was her breakout role. And again, that's over 15 years ago. And also, because she did so great in this film, so I've heard, people were comparing her acting career with Zendaya. And they were saying that Zendaya has the career that Kiki Palmer should have had. And they meant it as a compliment. It wasn't received as such. And I understand why. They were saying it as a compliment, saying that Kiki Palmer is so good that she should be the kind of global superstar that Zendaya is. Like Zendaya's got, you know, the show Euphoria on HBO. She's been on countless magazine covers. She's in the, uh, what is it called? The Spider-Man franchise. Like, she's having an amazing career. And people were saying, not in the right way, but and people were saying that Kiki Palmer should also have that kind of career and that the reason she doesn't is due to colorism. Kiki didn't like that. Kiki didn't like that. She denied that colorism was a factor. She had a really good response to it and not like the video of her rapping. Kiki responded on Twitter. She said, A great example of colorism is to believe I can be compared to anyone. I'm the youngest talk show host ever. She was on, God, what was it? Michael Strahan and then the blonde white lady who went out on maternity leave. And then Kiki stepped in to host for her. And she was so good that they kept Kiki on. It must have been ABC because Strahan couldn't do another network. So like network TV. She continues. I was, quote, the first black woman to star in her own show on Nickelodeon and the youngest and first Cinderella on Broadway. I am an incomparable talent. Ma'am, talk your shit. Talk your shit with your receipts to back up your shit. Kiki is, Kiki is that girl. She might not be on all the magazine covers. She might not get awards and accolades. But Kiki, she, she does her thing. She says, I have been a leading lady since I was 11 years old. I have over 100 credits. I'm currently starring in an original screenplay that is the number one film at the box office. I've had a blessed career thus far. I couldn't ask for more, but God continues to surprise me. I mean, when you put it like that, this, that's only white people asking, like, who is Kiki Palmer? I'm like, go see the number one film in America. That, that'll answer your question. Don't play her like that. She has a bunch of awards, too. There's, um, I had to screenshot this. Lauren Kiana Palmer, a.k.a. Kiki. She has at least a Primetime Emmy Award and five NAACP Awards. She also has nominations for a Daytime Emmy and a Screen Actors Guild Award. She is 28 years old. She's not even 30 yet. She has a different career than, than Zendaya. She's not celebrated in the same way Zendaya is. I do think, just because we're discussing Hollywood and, and Black women, I think I think colorism is always a factor in Hollywood, especially in front of the camera, because colorism is a factor in America. It's an offshoot of racism, which is which affects everything in America. I think Zendaya is a very talented woman. I, I want to take nothing from her, particularly because it wasn't Zendaya making the comparisons. I mean, but if we're being 110 percent, most shows that have black women as leads are not Kiki Brown or Darker. We just talked about the situation with Lupita and how one of the things that stood out for Black Panther is that you have a dark-skinned Black woman as lead. It's not the first time it happened. It's not the last time it has happened. But it don't happen all that often. 
leading black ladies, love interests especially, tend to look more like Zendaya. That big film that came out during the pandemic with Zendaya and John David Washington arguing for two hours, that's very often what the leading lady looks like in any sort of black relationship that's depicted in front of the camera. You've got a very brown black man and then you have a very light-skinned black woman. Zendaya's looks, beautiful woman, biracial woman who identifies as black. I think her being a light-skinned black woman who, how do I want to phrase this? Who fits Hollywood's definition of what black and beautiful is. Unfortunately, there's not a wide range in Hollywood. It's expanded. It's expanded some, but it, it, it could expand more. Again, she's very talented, but I think one of the reasons she gets picked is because she fits that, that, that she fits the ideal of what like a beautiful black woman is, which we all know what in Hollywood those parameters are. Hell, even in the black community, we know what those parameters are. It's essentially Zendaya. I think Kiki's done just fine for herself and will continue to do more. I don't think her not being celebrated doesn't mean she's not appreciated, not at least by black people. I read something the other day. Cheryl Lee Ralph, one of the original dream girls, has had consistent work either in TV or film or stage for 40 and change years, my entire lifetime. She just got her first Emmy nod for Abbott Elementary. We would never argue that Cheryl Lee Ralph is not talented. She's just not recognized for a plethora of reasons, one of them being that racism and colorism are the underpinnings of America. And we start talking about who gets recognized and who doesn't. Those are factors. Kiki said, I have an incomparable talent. And I was like, you know, y'all, just FYI, y'all gonna hear me say that shit. (laughs) Incomparable is about to be my new favorite word. Just prepare yourselves accordingly. Uh, But I'm happy for her. I'm glad she has the number one film in America. I hope she gets the recognition she deserves for it. I hope she got the paycheck that she deserved for it. I would like to see Kiki on more more magazine covers or magazine features, seeing as how most magazines aren't even in print anymore. But I would like to see Kiki further celebrated in the way that she deserves. And other good news, this isn't black news, but this is news nonetheless. Adele has announced new dates for her Las Vegas residency. They start November 18th and and they go until March 25th, 2023. I would love to see Adele in Las Vegas. I remember last time the tickets were insane. I don't know if I can afford to see Adele in Vegas. It was one thing when I could just drive over from L.A., It's another thing when I got to take a transatlantic flight. I love Adele. I do love Adele. I don't love Adele for $1,500 tickets. I love Usher for that, and I still refuse to pay for those tickets. Last but not least, no, we're still not talking about the Carisha podcast. I did get a couple calls from therapists who wanted to come on the show and discuss it. So we are going to discuss it. I have not forgotten about it. We're just not talking about it today. Again, Nick Cannon welcomed his eighth child. He was there for the birth. It looks like an at-home birth. Mother and child are doing fine. Although when the baby was born, I read that there was a scare. The baby needed respiratory support. But the baby is fine now. Mother and child are fine. She said she did the whole delivery with no meds, which I was like, girl, I don't have any desire to be that strong. I mean, great for her. No no judgment, no shade. Great for her. But if I were to ever have gone through that, I would have asked for some goddamn drugs. I don't believe in pain. Congratulations to the happy parents. Babies are blessings. It ain't the baby's fault. His father is. My disgust with Nick Cannon is not even about the tribe of children at some point. The tribe of children will never have any effect on me. 
how he manages to father them and what degree he and to what degree he fathers them like he'll figure it out like this no effect on me whatsoever but his latest rant on Angela Yee's podcast I didn't watch the whole thing I just saw there's like a viral clip when Nick Cannon is talking about how 80% of women don't have proper hygiene I was like why would you say that like why would you say that about women and the kicker was he wasn't even saying that women have a foul odor. Like his complaint was their vaginas have a smell. He was saying that 20% of women, their vaginas are odorless. And I was like, you realize it's normal and healthy for your vagina to have a scent. It's vagina scent. Your vagina is odorless. Like, okay, great for you. But like if your vagina has like the scent of vagina shouldn't be overwhelming where like you know people who are not near it can like smell it coming up to you like that's extreme but like if you're down there and your nose is in it like yeah it smells like something like vagina that other that other guy the guy on Carisha's podcast why can't I remember his name right now Kevin Gates I couldn't remember his name for anything I had to google it Kevin Gates also says something about that recently about how most women don't know how to wash themselves and tampons are dirty and cleaning your vaginal lining and and women don't wash behind their ears and he can bathe a woman better than she can bathe herself and I was like where are y'all getting this shit it's this real um like almost like 1700s 1800s idea of like women are unclean like this this idea that like women are are fundamentally unclean clean women are dirty this new batch of misogyny like it was bad when I was coming up but like we are not progressing as a people like we're reverting to like these outdated debunked also ideas about about women's anatomy and women overall being lesser unclean inferior need to be controlled need to be dominated need to be led this whole unclean thing is all part of that larger this black incel offshoot of that that dead cult leadership. Like y'all, like men sit on the internet all day and say these crazy fucking things about women and then wonder why so many women are un, are unwilling to submit to make any changes whatsoever to accommodate them, to even listen to them, to even engage with them, to date them. There's a there's a viral clip on Facebook earlier today that this woman is is playing a voicemail message from a guy who she has never met. He sent her a Facebook message and I think she added him to her page, but she didn't respond to his message. And he just sent her this like vile, angry message about how like she thought she was too good to respond to him. And that's what's wrong with women now. And I was like, what are y'all so fucking angry about? Why do y'all hate women so fucking much? Like, it's just, oh. I saw this other thing. This guy was writing about either his fiance or his wife. And it was like the most evil shit ever. And I was like, girl, if you don't pack your bags and your pussy and leave him immediately, immediately. He said, you're not the most beautiful woman. Neither are you the most intelligent. I'm not reading the whole thing. He continued in the second graph. He started by saying, Stating that you're not the most beautiful or intelligent might sound like it's not a compliment, but it's a realistic base for love. Acknowledging that my woman isn't the best, 
but I'm not looking for the best. Sir, sir, sir. And in addition, in addition to this, he posts several pictures of the woman from various angles. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Folks went and looked up pictures of him. He is not gorgeous. He is not gorgeous. Looks are not everything. But if we were basing their situation just on looks, she settled. Based solely on physical appearance, they are not an equally yoked pair. To get on Al Green's internet and tell some woman that you're in a relationship with, to tell the world, not just some woman, but tell the world, you are not the most beautiful and you are not the most intelligent, nigga. Nigga. If that's how you feel about your mate, just focus on the shit that you actually like about them. They're not the most beautiful in your opinion. You've seen better. Okay. She's not the smartest. You've seen smarter. Okay. Find something that you could praise about this woman. If you're going to make public declarations and praise that. Praise that. I love your cooking. I love your nurturing. I love your listening skills. I love your praying hands. I love, I love something about you. Something about you, I think, is is the best, and this is why I'm marrying you. Whatever reason that you have decided to put a ring on this person's finger, this person does it for you. You could just write, you do it for me. I love you. Okay, that's enough. You are not the most beautiful, and you are not the most intelligent. Nigga, if you don't get out of my house, and if we're not in my house, let me pack my shit and get out of yours. No, no, no. Also, I wonder if you're comfortable saying that type of shit to somebody publicly, like you think that shit's okay to say what the fuck are you saying to that woman behind closed doors i would be shocked if she wasn't being verbally and emotionally abused because that's the type of shit you say in public that's the type of shit you say when you're comfortable with other people seeing it the shit you say when you're actually behind closed doors you know people get lax he probably saying all types of crazy shit to that woman ma'am ma'am she's beautiful she's beautiful and she she could do better and I'm not saying she needs to go get a better man. I'm saying she needs to get out that situation who's, some, who's someone who thinks of you that way. Being alone is better than being with somebody who thinks it's okay to tell the world that you are not the most beautiful and not the most intelligent. Like, nigga, what? Find something you like. These backhanded compliments, which I find the, I, I, I find it backhanded. I, I find no compliment in it. The people were like, he's just being realistic. Like, you're not going to marry the most beautiful person. You're not going to marry the most intelligent person. People flipped it on him. And I was like, maybe y'all will get it then. Somebody in the comments wrote, you are bald-headed and not the most handsome man in the world. You are not that intelligent. You are broke and your cassava is less than average. But I choose you because you're imperfectly perfect. You see how trifling that sounds? Somebody else wrote, much like his beard, the sentiment simply doesn't connect. The nigga got the nerve to have on bifocals and a Gordon Gattrell. Sir. Sir. You don't set your person up like that. Like, your function as a partner, as a spouse, at least in public, you cover your person. You don't throw your person under the bus like that. You cover your person. You don't set them up for the world to critique their looks, to critique their appearance and question their intelligence. You don't do that to somebody you give a remote fuck about. Definitely not somebody you love. And yet he did. And plenty of people in the comments were like, I don't see anything wrong with it. He's just being realistic. I don't want realistic love. You can have better than that. That's the bottom of the barrel. Like you don't have to just survive. You don't have to have the barest of minimums, which I think this is less than. I think the barest of minimums is at least your partner showing you basic respect in public. 
Your partner not denigrating you in public is the bare minimum. This is this is below the bare minimum. But people are so stuck at the level of just like, this like, well, this is the least I could have and I should be fine with that. Like, well, I'm surviving. No, no. You can thrive. There's so much more than just surviving. Thrive, goddammit, thrive. Do better than the bare minimum. This ain't even that. We'll do Kevin Gates on Friday, God willing. Inshallah. Because I'll be in New York on Friday. I'm going to try to take the podcast on Thursday morning before I get on the train and then edit it so I can upload it when I get there. And then, you know, gallivant for the weekend with no worries and no concerns. All right. That's the episode for this week. I'm about to chop this up and then I'm going to go to the movies. Go support the Kiki. An incomparable talent. We'll talk on Friday. Okay. Bye. Bye.